you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. This is a very excited Lisa Palladino because today I'm sitting down with my friends to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart and will be life-changing for many people. Um, Today we have Dr. Victor Avis and his daughter, Sydney Avis. A little bit about them. Sydney Avis is a 30-year-old graduate of the University of Colorado at Boulder, a lifetime athlete. Sydney was diagnosed as a child with asthma and battled through sporting events and life with grit and an inhaler. Sounds like a lot of people's stories, right? Fatigue and exhaustion were her constant companions, and she was unaware until 2016 that there might be a solution. After multiple courses of orthodontic treatment, which never addressed her airway, Sydney sought answers through a healthy lifestyle and self-education. Still battling anxiety, fatigue, and metabolic issues, Sydney and her father brought together a team of airway experts to solve her problem. This is the multidisciplinary approach the Airway Revolution Foundation hopes to inspire everywhere. Dr. Victor Avis is a graduate of Duke University and Georgetown University Dental School. He's a third-generation practitioner of general dentistry in Staten Island, New York, my hometown. He's married and the father of three daughters. Victor has prioritized family and excellence in dentistry throughout his adult life. When Victor decided to expand his knowledge, learning conventional orthodontic paradigms and techniques, he had questions which led him hidden to study outside-of-the-box thinkers in dentistry, orthodontics, myofunctional therapy, ENT, and a multitude of other medical and dental disciplines. Understanding the airway, breathing, and sleep connection, Dr. Avis finally discerned the root cause of Sydney's health challenges. Those challenges had come to include anxiety, hypothyroidism, learning, cognitive issues, mood swings, fatigue, and exhaustion. Dr. Avis realized that Sydney's obstructive airway disorders were not outwardly obvious or recognizable. And by telling Sydney's story, many people who are suffering silently or being undiagnosed or misdiagnosed could be helped. Thus, the vision and mission for the Airway Revolution Foundation was born. Welcome, Dr. Victor Avis and Sydney Avis. And I am so, again, thrilled and excited to finally have you on the podcast so that we can share this story and this mission. Thank you for being here. 
Thanks for having us. Thanks, Lisa. Great to be with you, my good friend. <laughs> and um, I, I didn't mention, but, you know, as a lactation consultant, I know that, um, Dr. Avis, you were very interested in why a lactation consultant was in these networking groups with other professionals that seem to have nothing to do with breastfeeding, right? I remember that like, but, but Lisa, what do you, what, what role do you play? What are you doing here? Right? Yeah. You know, I, I missed it as, as a uh, husband and wife, Kim and I missed the importance of breastfeeding in our, in my family, meaning my, my mom and my sisters, uh, nobody breastfed. It was like, um, and so I had no, I had no, knowledge of it other than there was a nutritive and, and antibody benefit. I had no knowledge how it influenced growth and development, you know, until starting probably back in 2010 or 11, did my eyes just begin to open. So none of this was learned. You know, I graduated dental school in 1987. So for the first 23 years of my career, I had no concept that breastfeeding would have anything to do with oral facial craniofacial development. Right. And here we sit. And no judgment at all, because as a society, we didn't recognize that. And we don't learn it in school. And as I say to my audience all the time, you know, I'm not here because I did all of it right. You know, <laughs> my stories for breastfeeding my own children are horrendous. And if, you know, you know better, you do better, right? That's our so if, if you're just getting the connections, um, if anyone listening is just making the connections, you know, please don't feel bad that you didn't realize the importance of breastfeeding for oral, oral development because we just, we just didn't realize it. Somehow it got lost, right? Well, well the other thing, Lisa, is, uh, as Sydney, you can tell the story, but we were at a, a meeting with some uh, university dean and others, and we had no idea the energy um, around breastfeeding. Uh, so, Sid, you want to just kind of recount that brief? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I got scolded. But, um, you know, one of the missions of uh, the Airway Revolution is to create an endowment for, you know, less socioeconomic privileged people. And part of that vision is, to provide education for the community. Um, and I give the example of breastfeeding that a lot of people know that there's a great nutrients, you know, component to breastfeeding, but how the jaw develops around the act of breastfeeding, a lot of people don't know. So just giving people, new moms, anyone who's gonna breastfeed that information and then let them make the decision that's best for them. You're not forcing anyone to do anything, but providing all the information and giving the education. And I got scolded <laughs> of just can't tell people yeah. what to do. And I was like, that I'm I'm absolutely not telling anyone to do anything. I just want everyone to have all the information so they can make the choice that's best for them. But yes. it got very heated, and you know, it's a controversial topic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. And I'm sorry that, um, you know, you walked into the uh, fire bed that I live my life in. But um, it's not easy. And we don't realize that it's such a charged issue. But let's back up because 
I got, you know, ahead of myself and started talking about um, how we met and all that. But what I really want to do is just start about, start off talking about what exactly is the Airway Revolution Foundation? And maybe that, I know Sydney. It's basically your story, so you can tell us. Yeah. So I mean, it 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 all started from my story, but it's no longer my story. Um, airway disorders, you know, anything that's affecting your breathing and therefore your sleep, and then a whole host of issues that come along with it, it affects most people. Doesn't know age. Doesn't know gender. Doesn't know race. It doesn't know background. So it's not my story anymore. That's just kind of what propelled us into it. Um, so, Dad, did you have something to say? Oh, sorry. Okay. No, I, I just would, I would emphasize, I think early on, people that knew what we were doing really thought that we were telling Sydney's story and we're really working very hard to change that perception because it was a starting off point, but we're really trying to tell from from birth till death, you know, how important um, a, a good airway and breathing are to overall health and well-being. And we'll tell many different stories of people of different age, race, gender, socioeconomic background. And as Sydney has said from the get-go, we want all people to be able to see themselves in this problem and and then so the, the revolution is, is not Sydney's story. It's, it's Sydney's and ours effort to bring to light the importance of airway disorders. Beautifully said. Um, I do, though, want to go back to the fact that Sydney's story is the jump-off point to where people started to recognize their own stories or their children's stories or their grandchildren's stories. Um, I think that's important. And the fact that you decided to film the story or that's how it started, like, let's see, we're going to have this journey. Let's film it um, and see if we can do anything with it. And then it uh, expanded be way beyond what you could ever imagine. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up my whole life not feeling great. There was not a day where it just switched and I started feeling badly. I just kind of, this was me. I was exhausted. I was cranky. I had swollen eyes. Um, that's just who I, who I was growing up. And right. Other things started to kind of build on that. I uh, had a lot of trouble in school, a lot of learning troubles, then uh, anxiety and panic attacks, some depression. So these things started to kind of pile on. Um, and, you know, you go to doctors and they say, take this pill or do, do this to fix this little thing that you're seeing and we're not getting to the root cause. And my dad, being a forever learner, was doing some continuing education and that's when he started learning about airway disorders and started connecting my story to what he was learning and thought, hey, I might be looking at an airway disorder in my own family and missing it. Um, mm -hmm. So he brought my case to one of his mentors. You know, they reviewed it and he said, you know, she has an airway disorder and anything less than 
double jaw surgery to bring her jaw forward and open her airway is not going to help her. Um, my dad came back, you know, really apprehensive to tell me this. And I said, great, let's do the surgery. I'm ready to feel good. You know, I knew that. Right. And, and that's, you know, just to interrupt you for a minute, anyone who reads about jaw surgery realizes how extreme and how difficult that process is. So to me, that's a sign of how, you know, I hate to put words in your mouth, but you were desperate to feel better. And I yeah. knew you then. I knew you before then. And I remember thinking like this, this poor kid, like she's trying so hard because there was so many things. You did every other thing you could do in, you know, functional medicine, in root cause approaches, in diet, in meditation, in sleep, in yoga, all the things you could do, you had already tried on your own. And I was so impressed with that. And wish that there was another way that I could even help you, you know, and I know there were other providers that felt the same way around you. You know, sometimes there were just doctors that I know early on that didn't recognize anything, but there right. were those of us who were like, wow, we wish that we could do something more for Sydney because she's doing all the things and she should feel better. Are you a professional who feels like me that we didn't learn enough about tongue tie and breastfeeding in school? Do you want to have the confidence that you are giving families the best information and support? Whatever your role on the healthcare team, if you take care of breastfeeding parents or babies or pregnant families, you play an important part in supporting infant feeding goals. Join me on Wednesday, February 8th at 7 p.m. for a free webinar the five facts that breastfeeding babies want you to know about tongue tie. Sorry, parents, we'll chat another time. This is just for pros. The link to join is in the show notes, but I'll give it to you here. It's a bit.ly link and it's case sensitive. It's bit.ly slash free pro webinar. And the F, the P, and the W in those words are capitalized. But again, it's in the show notes, so just scroll down and click straight through. I hope to see you there. If you've been looking for a factual tongue-tie education, this is a great place to start. And if you're listening to this episode after the date has passed, there are many other links in my bio that you'll be interested in, including an opportunity to join our professional membership and course. Again, it's a bit.ly link, free, capital F, pro, capital P, webinar, capital W. Right. I mean, I had, I'm so lucky. I had such a great group of people around me. You know, I had you and I was like, my stomach, I can't eat anything. Help me. Mm -hmm. Like, what is going on? I would get acupuncture. I did. I went, I studied yoga. I, I really tried to be as healthy as I could. And there was just something I could not control. You know, something was happening and I didn't know what it was, but it was frustrating. Um, so th that was hard. And then so when I was told that, you know, surgery is going to fix this, I was like, great, let's just do it. You know, I there was no hesitation for me. I didn't even really understand what the surgery was at that point. I just said, oh, I'm going to feel better. I'm in. Okay. Um, but it's not as simple as that, of course. You know, we had to go through 
getting diagnosed and treatment options and meeting different doctors. And while we were discussing kind of what that journey might start to look like, my dad said, well, why don't we film it? Because if someone else is on a similar journey, it might help. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm fine with that. But what are you going to do with a bunch of videos from your phone? You know, what's, (laughs) who's going to see that? And I know your videoing skills, dad, and it's not your strong. (laughs) (laughs) So we have two friends who are in the film business and are documentarians. And we called them up and just kind of said, this is what we're thinking. Sydney might need surgery. Are you interested? And they essentially were like, what does she need surgery for? She's fine. She's healthy. I think you guys are a little bit crazy, but sure, let's try it out and see what happens. And that was the beginning for us. And we've been filming now for over six years. And that was really our start off point. And even then, we didn't think we were going to start a nonprofit. That was not where we were going with any of this. It was just tell my story and maybe it'll help someone who's on a similar path. Um, But I think where it kind of expanded to where it is now is as we were filming and meeting dentists, physicians, other patients, um, we realized we were going to bring all this awareness to people where they might start putting the dots together and or connecting the dots and saying, hey, this is something I'm dealing with or my daughter or my son, my parents. Um, and what are they going to do? Because it's not simple answers. It's not just go here and you'll get the treatment and feel better. I mean, I was so lucky to have my dad who lived in this airway world, was a medical professional and knew where to go and who to talk to. And even him having all that knowledge, we went to LA, we went to St. Louis, you know, we were, we were searching. So someone who doesn't have, you know, that access, what are they, what are they going to do? That, and you know, that, I, that's a great yeah. point. And um, I love that part of your foundation is to address the disparities, disparities to access, because I mean, let's face it, we're in, we're sitting here, we're three very privileged people right. with access and knowledge and connections and know people and very fortunate, but not everybody who suffers with airway is close to being as fortunate as we are and have the opportunities that you had through your, excuse me, through your father's connections and knowledge and networking, right? Absolutely. And and to that point, Lisa, even people with financial means, it's right now very difficult for them to find a solution to their airway disorder. Right now I have six people uh, throughout the country that are children of friends who at various events, funerals, weddings, you know, have gotten me and in a corner and said, hey, I need help and I'm trying to help them. And it's very hard across this country to find people to collaborate. You need mild people, you need lactation consultants, you need somebody to diagnose sleep physicians, ENTs, dentists, orthodontists, and there's such a paucity of, of trained people. And in fact, more often you're gonna run into people that are naysayers that if they go to their physician or they go to their dentist, 
and you know you is to be true, they're going to be discouraged. Well, that's nonsense. I don't know anything about that. Right. And so there's so many barriers to getting help. And so to, to just run with what Sydney started is that we recognize we're kind of kicking an anthill when we started to realize that the documentary would grow to be a documentary series and that it would tell many stories. Uh, it was no longer, by the way, uh, about surgery. It was more about, hey, that's a that's an end result we don't want anybody to have to go to. It, it exists, and for Sydney, it was a, a winner. But, you know, if I had known about this when Sydney was born, we would have done so many things differently from, you know, Kim attempting to breastfeed to um, dealing with the allergies she had to our Black Labrador Retriever um, and, and on and on so that... Um, we would have probably never, ever had to end up in the surgeon's office for Sydney. And, and that bugged me as a dentist and a father that I was never exposed to this. And it was really serendipitous that I learned it. And so at age 25, I could finally help Sydney out. So it's not a story about surgery. It's a story about hopefully um, understanding there are things from birth on that can be done. Um, and the earlier you treat, the better the likelihood of a cure. And the later you treat, the more you're into management strategies, not curing strategies. And uh, and that's what we're, we're, we're telling that story. But the documentary series that we realized, okay, if we don't get more physicians and dentists and SLPs and, and lactation consultants trained about airway disorders, there won't be enough people There'll be such a bottleneck, a lot of awareness and no treatment. And so that's when we decided we'll start a foundation which would be targeted to changing the education uh, in universities of at least med uh, physicians and dentists. Let's start there and hopefully there would be a tremendous trickle down. Um, and that was the beginning of the foundation and then we needed to find a university that would say, Hey, this is important. So, that's it. Yeah. So then we found a university, <laughs> um, and you know we're we're working with Columbia University now, and really with with them, there's three major things that they've vowed to do, and then beyond that, you know, there's two other that two other projects that we're working on. So, with <clears throat> Columbia. They've vowed to establish uh, a comprehensive center for airway disorders. So think of like a tumor board, but for airway. So if someone's mm -hmm. having issues, they go in, ENT, dentist, oral surgeon, whoever needs to be involved is there looking at this patient. Because, I mean, medicine needs to be individualized as much as, much yeah. as we And, and we need a team right. approach. We need, a, we need a way where we're not just seeing that one provider and finding a dead end. And, you know, if, right. if, if those who are listening could see me, if I could, I would be standing up and giving you a standing ovation right now, because that is so exciting to me, you know, that the team approach is what I preach. And everybody knows that I believe in the team approach on all levels, starting from birth, but to hear that this will be a possibility at a major respected medical institution is just it, like I almost can get tears in my eyes because it's it's such an achievement 
this goal is so amazing to me. So thank you for that. And, and I would say that, thanks, Lisa. I mean, Columbia's, they've embraced this private-public relationship. It's a one-off. They, they have said to us they've never done anything like this before. It's been signed by the dean of the medical school and the dean of the dental school. Um, but that's because they recognize, I mean, they did their homework. They realized that the impact of airway disorders on chronic health issues from, from infancy to, to geriatrics is tremendous that there's no university that's taken this on to change their curriculum and that there's no collaborative center. And so they saw the value, Columbia saw their ability to put a real imprint on this field. And so uh, as much as I'd like to give us credit, I think basically it's the topic matter that they, when they did their research, they said, oh my goodness, this is really important. Um, but oddly enough, they need us because they, there's things we can do, Lisa, and you were at our leadership meeting last summer uh, with our board and advisory board in Columbia. You know, Columbia is mired in, in, in their own politics and faculty, and, and they don't, they're not able to move with alacrity, and they recognize a small not-for-profit like ours can do things, and, um, and so we need each other. You know, we, we, they give us tremendous um, veracity and credibility, and we give them the ability to, be, to lead a grassroots movement, which is one of the things Sid was getting to. And, and that's where your audience um, can be a big help. We, there's a, a website where there's an add your voice, and we need to represent that this is a, a problem that affects tens of thousands. We know it's millions of people in just the US and tens of millions of people globally. And when we, we present that, it gives us an ability to go before Congress. And that will then lead to NIH funding where then all universities can competitively um, can competitively vie for those research dollars. But those research dollars then allow the universities to hire faculty to do research and that's what's going to really stimulate a competitive university involvement, which is what we need. Because until the universities say this is a problem, the Lisa's and the Victor's and the Sydney's, as, as doctor, nurse practitioner, and patient, we're all outliers. You know, mm -hmm. Sydney's the crazy patient, I'm the crazy dentist, and you're the crazy nurse practitioner. <laughs> but the universities can switch that, then we become leaders in our disciplines rather than outliers. And so that's why we need the university piece. And so that's that's one of our missions is this is this grassroots advocacy that leads to Congress and Senate hearings that leads to NIH funding. So I will put the um, link in the show notes, but the actual website is airwayrevolutionfoundation.org? Uh, airwayrevolution.org. Airwayrevolution.org. And... When you go to airwayrevolution.org, please watch the video clips that are there because you may not think that you have a story to tell, but when you listen to the, the stories and listen to the clips, things are going to hit home for you. You either have symptoms or know someone who has symptoms or will be looking out for symptoms in, in people that you meet or your family members in the future. 
So it's really important to get your stories down. And I love my community. They're very active and very responsive. And this is like the one ask, you know, of course, if you want to donate money, that's wonderful, but I'd rather make the ask about the stories because we know that the stories are going to get us as Dr. Ava said, the, um, uh, just the acknowledgement, the, um, credibility and the need, because if nobody's complaining, nobody, you know, and I hate that word complaining, but if, but it's the truth, that's the word that, that, uh, medical institutions use, right. Complaint of, we put in our little notes, if there's no complaints of symptoms that are related to airway and connecting the dots together, there's no need for a response. But consumers drive the healthcare system. So if enough of us are out there saying, the same with tongue tie, right? If enough of us are out there saying we need providers who understand tongue tie and will help me with my infant and my feeding, the same with airway, right? And hopefully it will all converge because... It's the, the infant care and the breastfeeding will either offset the future problems or at least make us aware to look and watch for other things that can develop as we get older. And Lisa, you know, it, you know, tongue tie and breastfeeding, it's not clear from the word airway disorder, but for Sydney and I, that's part of it. In other words, if somebody can't breast feed, well, that's going to be the beginning of anatomical uh, changes, negative changes that potentiate airway problems. And if somebody has a tongue tie and can't get their tongue elevated to, to get onto the roof of their mouth and help develop the transverse and anterior uh, development of the maxilla, that potentiates an airway problem. So, you know, it's it's a it's a part of the disorder, mm-hmm. and um, and it's part of that which leads to a syndrome, which includes all these things like ADD and ADHD and cognitive uh, uh, defects and or cognitive challenges and blood high blood pressure and diabetes and obesity, cardiovascular disease and dementia, to name a few. That's part of this airway disorder syndrome. Um, but the tongue tie or breastfeeding, I mean, that's the beginning of, of the path. You know, if it starts off well, you're, you're potentiating health. And if it starts off poorly, you're bringing into it more possibilities. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's why we are so aligned, uh, Lisa, you and Yeah. And, and more and more I see <clears throat> newborns who are already have tr- having difficulty breathing through their noses, you know, which sleeping with open mouth posture. And, you know, it's often very difficult when you're a a brand new mom, dad, you know, you come to see the lactation consultant just to, to check on quote unquote, the latch, which is what uneducated, you know, people who don't know about what I do are just like, well, I just want to make sure the latch is okay. And, you know, when I do a full oral exam and I do a breastfeeding functional exam or a bottle feeding functional exam, and there are signs to me that there is, there is oral restriction, there is lack of tongue getting to the palate, and there's already open mouth posture. To jump, t- you know, to that education for a brand new family that is, you know, not sleeping, 
just come through traumatic birth and all the stuff that goes with the postpartum period, it's really difficult. And what I, I typically like to, to bring out to them is, you know, by the way, dad, do you snore? Or, you know, does anybody in your family have problems with speech or, and then the stories start to come out, you know, and then the, the dots are connected. And we keep using that connecting the dots metaphor, but I think there's no other simple way to, to put it. Like, light bulbs go off in their eyes. Like, you mean my baby might have trouble with the way he sleeps when he's older because he, he's having trouble staying on my breast now? And um, yes, yes, absolutely. So yeah, there is that connection. And- I, too, I, I think, you know, the younger you treat people, there's this challenge that, you know, because I did orthodontics for a long time on, on children. And, you know, children are cute. And, you know, whether they've got buck teeth or crowded teeth, you know, they're cute and they're, you know, the, the, the apple of, of mom and dad's eye. And so to, to bring out that things aren't developing right mm-hmm. and, and you don't say it, but John Mew used to say, because I was there, you know, your kid's not going to turn out to be very good looking. Aww. You know, he, he was 80 at the time when I first met him and he would just frankly look at me, he could get away with it. But, you know, I never found I could have the courage to say that. But the truth is you could see at age five and six, this child is not going to turn out to have a very good looking face, even though they're cute now. And I think, you know, we're cute like, like animals are cute when they're young to protect them. And so, um, and so as an infant, it's even harder, right? I mean, the moms and dads are so excited and, and they're just, looking in the moment and for you to draw a picture that this is the beginning of, of good health or health issues, hard for, for many people to look forward. But then when you look forward, people thinking, you know, I caught diabetes, you know, I caught high blood pressure or it was in my genes. And, and a failure to recognize that there's a genetic component, but so much of it was environmental and it happened you know, in the beginning when there was no breastfeeding and when you gave that binky and when the thumb sucking went on for too long and when we gave them that soft processed food, you know, that was the beginning of the diabetes and the obesity. Very, very few beyond people listening on this podcast in medicine and dentistry and in the healthcare fields would accept what I just said. That is not common belief. Right. We're, we're not in a place of root cause medicine. And as you've heard in my presentations for um, educational days that we've done, you know, we, we learn in silos. So we're not learning to look at the whole. We're learning about parts of people in a medical or nursing education or dental education. Dentists learn about mouths. You know, midwives learn about, you know, the female parts. And lactation consultants learn about the breast and how that works. And, but the, the one, um, I don't know, advantage that I have as an IBCLC is looking at both the mom and the baby together, you know, which is something that even feeding therapists, I love my SLP friends and my myofunctional therapy friends, but they're not looking at the holistic dyad. So, you know, that's why there's so many of those types of providers in my courses learning from my end, what else I'm thinking about other than just what we're seeing in the baby's mouth, because we have to optimize everything to let breastfeeding work 
And we never want to just do a procedure because we see a tongue tie. We want to make sure that the tongue tie is the problem, optimize things without doing surgery. The same with what Sydney's journey was, right? Sydney, I mean, you didn't just have surgery. You had, tell me, you want to talk a little bit about the the months of therapy that you had to prepare and after, you know, it wasn't, I don't want anyone to think, oh, you just went and had surgery and now you're all better. You know, (laughs) it was much more than that. It was much more than that. And and dad, correct me where I'm missing things, but you know, we did expansion. I mean, when I was a kid, we did expansion, but because I had no myofunctional therapy or didn't know where my tongue should be, it didn't do much. But before the surgery, I did have expansion my braces put back on. I worked with a myofunctional therapist uh, doing lip exercises, tongue exercises. You know, I couldn't get my lips together whatsoever. I couldn't hold the button in my lips. I mean, it was it was really hard. Um, what else did we do beforehand? Well, prior to it, I mean, we tried CPAP. Mm-hmm. You know, right. she had sleep studies. She had drug-induced sleep endoscopy to to really, that was a key in the, in the diagnostic process. At the end of the, the DICE procedure, drug-induced sleep endoscopy, I was done by um, Dr. Zaghi, who many of your listeners would know. We went out to California, and Dr. Zaghi said, well, his anesthesiologist, Farnard, go ahead, said. I think before you even say this, like, what did my sleep studies look like? Yeah, so the first sleep study, um, Sydney was diagnosed with narcolepsy and told to take amphetamines. And wow. so we ran from there because I didn't think that was right, nor did Sydney think it was right. Um, and it was interesting, sometime later on, I had another sleep physician look at that. And he said, you know, I can understand looking at, you know, the, the, the graphs, how somebody could infer narcolepsy from this, but clearly it was the wrong diagnosis. Um, but, um, anyway, Sydney tried CPAP, she tried mandibular advancement devices, and I was careful not to be the treating doctor in all those. I only got involved with, I I helped orchestrate getting a proper diagnosis using people that I thought were the best, but ultimately until we did the ortho prior to her surgery, that was when I started being the treating dentist and post-surgery, you know, finishing her ortho. But the mandibular advancement device, I had Dr. Gelb and Dr. Hinden, you know, do that. The CPAP machine was uh, overseen by a sleep physician. So, you know, we were, we were going to the, the right course of people who knew about those modalities and nothing worked. It's not like we didn't want it to work. Um, Sydney didn't feel any better. And so it was after doing those things um, that, that we went to the surgery room. Right. And, you know, Sydney, I think it's important to hear how you're feeling now. I mean, I know from my point of view, the first, because COVID happened in the middle of all of this and I hadn't seen you. I think the first time I saw you in person was six months after your surgery. And I almost didn't recognize you. You looked like a different person to me. I mean, brighter, alert, definitely happier, even though you were always a, a great girl, but you just looked like, I can't, I can't even explain the difference that it looked to me, but I want to hear in your own words, how, how are things different and how has your life changed? Yeah, I, 
I actually, I mean, I look like a different person, but I feel like a different person. I, f- I mean, it's the small things, right? So, I mean, running this nonprofit, it's not something that I could have done before. I just didn't have the bandwidth. I had a lot of anxiety when it came to talking to people and meeting with people and constantly questioning myself. It was just hard to do simple tasks beforehand. Um, And now I can do it. I feel confident in my role. I feel excited about what we're doing. I, I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to take on the day and five o'clock I'm still filled with energy. I, I feel like this is who I always was. It was just stuck inside me. So it really feels like I got a new chance, a new, you know, new shot at living life. How I, how I kind of always knew, I knew this was inside me. I knew I had the energy and I love talking to people, but it was just so clouded by exhaustion and anxiety and all those things that come with not being able to breathe and not being able to sleep. It, and, it's and been exciting said- to watch you finally come into your potential. And that that's how I would describe it. It was like there was something blocking you from being who Sydney is supposed to be. And it's just, you know, I'm, I, I have tears, you know, um, because it's amazing to me. And Everyone should have this opportunity, right? I mean, this is this is what why we do what we do, and you know, I just I just want to bring it back around to. I mean, if if I didn't say it in the beginning, <laughs> I I want to absolutely say it now that I am a part of the Airwave Revolution Foundation. I'm amazingly proud to be a part of the advisory board and help out in any capacity that I can, and um. I'm also, I keep going back to the fact of like, for those who don't know, and if I haven't said it yet, Victor is like my, my dentist. He's my local dentist. Like the fact that this happened and Victor, you use the word serendipitous. I I don't think there's any coincidences in life, you know? And I think that when people are living mission-based lives and mission-based, um, you know, visions and what they want to do with their lives, the pieces come together. And I feel that this is one of those uh, opportunities for bringing people together that live basically in the same neighborhood and may have never even known each other. And we're on the same kind of path. And now we can work together. And I know my part in it is very small, but it's amazing. And um, I'm honored to even be included because Did you guys hear, those of you who are listening, did you hear the name dropping there? I mean, these are giants in the field. This isn't just a little neighborhood operation. These are giants in the field. The people making the documentary, this is going to be big. They are, right, Emmy Award winning documentarians who just also live live on our island. Like, what's the chances of that, right? And that you knew them and that all those connections came together and that the people that you found to bring Sydney to were people that are open to be involved in a project like this. Cause you could have gotten doors slammed in your face and you certainly didn't. I mean, more and more people want to get involved because those of us who do this work in any capacity, no matter what member of the team we're on are so excited that something like this is finally bringing it to awareness because we've been in our own little spaces trying to do the work. 
So Lisa, I think it was certainly one of the things that propelled us is that people that I didn't know well um, really rolled out the red carpet for us and the film crew. You know, when we went out to see Reza Mobahead in St. Louis, you know, I, I knew him really one off. He was uh, Bill Hang, one of my mentors, had introduced us. But, you know, we go out there the first time in St. Louis and it's with a film team. You know, it's disruptive to their day. Mm -hmm. they, they're cutting their day by hours to, to allow us to film. And, and we film now three times out with Reza and, and Sarush and, and Farnar did the same thing. Uh, Shabazz has this beautiful um, anesthesiology outpatient surgical center uh, on uh, what's that Beautiful Bishop Boulevard. Spectacular, right? He doesn't know me from Adam. And again, cameras were welcome. And so it was that kind of everyone. There wasn't one person. Michael Gelb did it. The Hindens did it. Uh, I'm leaving people out. Bill mm -hmm. Hang did it. And so uh, some I knew, some I didn't, but they all said, hey, this is an important story. And so to some degree, they were investing by them saying, we're going to not have other patients and we're going to allow you to film here. I, uh, both Sydney and I, Ed and Ed Rowley, we feel the passion. And that's when we kind of said, hey, you know what? We, we can do much, something much greater, feel the energy, feel the support, feel how the film crew, wherever we go, we'd hire, Ed and Rowley would hire, you know, camera people and sound people. And all of a sudden, you know, they're getting involved, like asking us questions off camera about their sleep disorder or their child. And then Ed Norley went from being doubters, like, okay, maybe there's a story and maybe Sydney and Vic are crazy because Sydney's a nice looking, athletic, healthy young person. Why would she have surgery to, I'm telling you, they can, they can talk airway with the best of them and they understand how important a problem it is. And so that was that kind of momentum, but, yeah, the, the, the experts in our field, people that we regard as, as some great teachers and researchers, they really um, lent their, their whole heart to, to a group of four people, Sydney, myself, Ed Norley, our, our, our director and producer, who they didn't know, to welcome into their homes and say, okay, you can film. And that was a tipping point for us to say, we, we can do more, we need to do more. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you've decided to do more. Um, what you're talking about, about the production assistance, you know, I know that the last time I was with a, uh, at an event where it was being filmed, I had one of the, the young guys who was sitting there helping with the mics and stuff pull me aside afterwards and start asking me questions about breastfeeding because he was a new dad, you know. So it's that ripple effect. Even in just the making of this, we are doing so much education. You know, and um, I think we should give a shout out to the local people, you know, like Michelle De Simone, who has, if you go on the website and you see that a lot of the video um, lectures that were, that are up there were filmed at her sensory studio and Michelle's doing amazing things and Scott Siegel and Dr. Park. And there's so many local people, which makes me feel so blessed to know people locally now that are or like on our side, if that's the yeah, right word to thanks, use. Thanks for saying it. And Michelle, I agree. I mean, she's got 40 some odd therapists and they all are knowledgeable about the importance of myofunctional therapy. They, they call me, I don't know, two, three times a month to ask about patients and, 
and what should they do and how do they motivate them because they're recognizing what they're seeing is a growth and development issue that that dentistry has a role in and um and you're right and of course you lisa have right from the get-go jumped on board and and dr webb is a surgical oncologist who's on our board who um you know sees the importance in in, in cancer of airway disorders and uh and the disparity of care so we do we have a great local group of people but you know one of the things i've challenged michelle with lately is to say you know we have to um do more in our community to develop collaboration like right now we're sending to a pediatric ent at columbia you know where's our staten island pediatric ent right. and so uh it's a project uh lisa this year that we're going to work together you and i and and, and michelle to bring in other specialists and see if we can do in our own community what we'd like to see reproduced in Des Moines and Peoria and mm -hmm. Fort Lauderdale uh, because there's not enough of these pods of, of, of collaborative specialists coming together. So, uh, you know, so anyway, that's a challenge for us to do right here in Staten Island. Now. Yeah, but already the ripple effects like that. I, I step back and I say we've already had ripple effects where there's been so much advancement to what we can, you know, collaborate with on Staten Island. So imagine what the ripple effect of putting out this documentary is going to be and the awareness. So again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for sharing your story so openly, Sydney, and, and going through what you've been through to help yourself and to help, you know, future generations of, of people. And of course, Dr. Victor Avis for all you do and for your inspiration to health and wellness you know, we didn't talk about this. There's many other things we could have talked about, about your practice and, and how you um, are practicing functional medicine as a dentist, which is incredible. And the, the cardiac care and the sleep studies and all those things. So I just, I am grateful to know you guys. I am so thankful that you took the time to be on this podcast today. Again, everyone, Airway Revolution Dot org. Please tell us your stories. And if you have any um, questions, you can reach out to Sydney through that website or to me. Um, all of these um, uh, links will be in the show notes and you can always reach out. So thank you so much, guys. This has been so incredible. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.